Hello and welcome to the latest Tech UK podcast. This week focused on trade tech with uh, an expert on the matter. We have Sally Jones from uh, EY, who is trade strategy lead and Brexit lead uh, at uh, Ernst & Young. And she's joining us today because we recently published a new report in partnership with the Institute of Exports and International Trade called Trade Tech, a pathway for businesses to size trade opportunities. Sally, welcome to the Tech UK podcast. Thank you for having me. So let's start at the very beginning. Why did you feel this was a, a topic to write a whole report about? Now, that's an excellent question. And obviously, when you're deep in the drafting process, you ask yourself so many times, why am I doing this? And the honest answer is that we wanted to build on some of the excellent work done by others like the ICC who created a really interesting conceptual framework for trade tech. But our clients kept saying to us that they struggled to bridge the gap between the conceptual framework and what they need to actually do day to day to make it real. So we, we wanted to bridge that gap. We wanted to create a report that would give some really practical operational thoughts to companies on how to take advantage of trade tech. Maybe this is a good time to explain to us what trade tech is. Ah, now that's a very fair point. So if you look at, say, the World Economic Forum, then it defines trade tech as a set of technologies and innovations that enable global trade to be more efficient, inclusive and equitable. So effectively, it means taking the existing trade processes and making them digital so that they're more efficient and more transparent and less prone to fraud and less prone to human error and able to be manipulated so that companies and governments can mine that rich source of data. Oh, we love using tech for good. So in this context then, because you are talking about your clients and how they try to navigate the whole world of of trade in general, but obviously the technologies that are involved in trade. Among all the priorities that a company has, why would trade tech be key operational priority? Because the world is getting more complicated every day that passes. So just to give you a handful of reasons I say that, firstly, global value change and the process of being reshaped because of the many, many disruptive forces that they've faced in recent years from COVID to the COVID unwind to the war in Ukraine, who knows what the next thing will be, but but the point being global value chains are under pressure. Plus the regulation that traders and companies are, have to comply with is becoming increasingly complex. Plus technology, which has an impact on almost every aspect of business operations anyway, is itself becoming more complicated. And also at the same time, more fragmented. So those three pressures are all coming together to mean that you can't just leave tech to the IT department anymore, or, or you can, if you do that, get the most out of it that you can. I love this complicated world where actually technology can be a, a, a force for good for simplifying some of the processes that companies have to deal with. We've totally seen a lot of that in the pandemic, obviously, in, in the aftermath of it, as, as you're rightly pointing out. But I'm wondering if you have, because you're highlighting in the report some specific technologies. So if you have any kind of particular tech that um, you want to talk about in this kind of trade tech context. 
Yeah, let, let's start at the more simple and straightforward end of the spectrum. And I know your audience is sophisticated and will get a lot of this because you're tech UK and you get this stuff. But if, if we start at the most simple end, it can be as straightforward as converting a paper document to electronic format. And the UK is at the cutting edge of that. We've got our electronic a documents bill going through Parliament for the time being that takes away a lot of the requirement that's currently paper-based to make things digital. Now, that in and of itself is not rocket science and is not kind of at the more exciting swinging from the chandeliers end of trade tech. But you can build on that and you start to move towards things like distributed ledger technology, and I know, a buzzword, I know everyone talks about DLT. But it allows simultaneous and permissions access, validation and record updating across a whole network of different entities in a secure way. So we see that kind of technology coming to the fore in the context of, say, what would be a good example? Democratising trade finance. There's, a, there's some really interesting examples um, in places like India, where a whole bunch of trade finance providers have all got together to share data in an anonymised way so that because it's anonymized, they get deeper, richer insights, traders get cheaper finance that's approved more quickly, and the international borders become more straightforward. Now, that's just India as one example. But you could imagine that if you use similar processes more broadly, more internationally, with government-agreed common standards, you start getting real power across across international borders. And we, and we see governments trying to, trying to do this all the time. There's something like, I'm loath to give a number because the virtual guarantee that it's the one thing it won't be. I think there's 26 different single trade windows being, uh, being looked at around the globe at the minute. Somebody will probably write in and tell you, no, it's actually 27 or 24 or a different number. But anyhow, I think it's that kind of ballpark. And those those technologies are going to come to the fore more and more. So there's that side of things. Then you've got things like the Internet of Things, which is um, objects with sensors or processing abilities or software that exchange data with other devices over the internet, which reduces the need for central control and hence the risk of data tampering. And then you start to move into the stuff that's been in the news recently with AI. And people have been talking about chat GPT, uh, which I'm certain will do me out of a job before too long and not before time. But actually, AI, artificial intelligence, has a role in things like mitigating money laundering and other risks, such as illegal or unethical supply chains. So, you know, we we can have this sort of big brother Skynet worry about AI or, and I'm going to use your phrase now, we can use it for good, recognising that actually that ability to scan and recognise patterns and identify nefarious behaviour that I think we'd all agree needs to be stamped out can be a really important part of the whole process. I can't believe we are still talking about paperless trading in what is April 2023, but here oh, yeah. we are. It's still... Oh, yeah. That's so just something just, to work on. <laughs> just, to, just to give you a sense of it, I was talking to a bank that will remain nameless, who says that in, a, in any given year, they employ three and a half thousand people just to create paper documents. And they create something like um, 50 million every year. And that, that's in financial services. So what a waste of everybody's time and effort. If we could get those three and a half thousand people doing something more productive, it would be awesome. That, that's Yeah. And something slightly more yeah. interesting, I guess, they would appreciate it as well. <laughs> 
Yeah. So basically, you're, you're telling us there are huge benefits for companies. Um, you are telling us there are huge benefits for governments, including in developing countries, as, as, yep. as you write in the lecture point there. So what are the barriers then? Why are we not doing it? There are a number of different barriers. And if we start with goods, and this is where I put my tongue firmly in my cheek, if we talk about goods, the single trade windows that exist around the world or are in the process of being implemented are using World Customs Organization and UN set standards that mean that there is a recognized taxonomy of requirements and that makes it reasonably straightforward. Now, it's not really reasonably straightforward. Of course it isn't. You just need to look at the, the UK with its two dozen different border agencies, all of whom have some interest in that border to appreciate that actually it's blooming hard to digitalise a border. And although we talk about single trade windows, the vast majority of them are still grappling with the concept of tell us once which is one of the two fundamental concepts. The idea being that it would be great if, as a trader, I could only have to submit one set of documents that would cover all of the two dozen different border agencies' requirements. The, the other part of it is, is the concept that my export is your import. So wouldn't it be even better if I was exporting something to you in Belgium and uh, and the my export declarations also satisfied the EU's import? Uh, requirements that would be even even better and and that second step sort of internationalizing trade is still a step beyond where an awful lot of of these projects have got to but they're coming they're coming down the road and the part of the reason that they are coming down the road is because there are internationally recognized standards when it comes to making those internationally recognized standards work together it's that that is also blooming hard. Singapore is probably closest to making it happen. But the way Singapore has done it is it's created a whole network of digital corridors. So there's a Singapore-New Zealand corridor, a Singapore-Australia corridor, a Singapore-US corridor, a Singapore-UK corridor. And the corridors don't actually speak to themselves. So what, what we need to do is start to create true interoperability, where all of those different corridors in Singapore, plus all of the different digitalization platforms that people are creating around the world, instead of being digital islands, become properly plumbed together. Again, not the sexiest part of all of that, but, but arguably, I think the most important. So you mentioned Singapore, and you know it's usually an example we always give when it comes to digital trade or digitalizing trade, front runners by far. But what is then the role for us? What is the role for the UK in kind of trying to push for more of that international cooperation that you're talking about, right? Whether it's interoperability of standards, whether it's regulatory cooperation in a broader sense around technologies and the technology needed in, in trade tech, where, where can the UK play a, play a leading role? So I would call out two places where the UK could play a particularly important role. The first is around harnessing the full benefits of trade tech by implementing with open source and interoperable inter open source at that. International trade is, is ubiquitous and in order to avoid fragmentation, which is one of our key issues, governments have to act to codify openness and interoperability across the globe. And I think the UK has a role to play there, uh, both in terms of the fact that it is itself reasonably advanced in its thinking, plus it has the, the heft 
needed at the international bodies to to make people sit up and pay attention. So that's one part of it. I think the other part is around cost. So one thing that puts off traders is the fact that they see it as really expensive to take up trade tech. And that stops it being as inclusive as it should do. Now, trade tech is being embraced by large businesses, but governments can help small businesses manage the cost by helping with training. As we've seen already, they've created pockets and pools of training in other aspects, so why not in this one? And by building capacity and funding in the UK, but also in developing economies, because evidence from Asia, for example, shows that there's significant progress and uptake where there's capacity building and funding. Something we've always, always asked for is that there is better coordination between trade policy and development aid. Otherwise, you're never going to achieve the ambitions at WTO or elsewhere. And talking about WTO, is there a role then for kind of such an organization to try to find the common ground among all the systems kind of developing separately, especially when you're talking about a 26 single windows or 24 or 27? Is there a role for the WTO there? I think there is, but I think the role for the WTO is not so much around plumbing together the various single trade windows. I think the role for the for the WTO is to be the visionary that picks up the next generation of, of trade tech and digitalization. And so, for example, everything that we've spoken about so far has been based on goods. But actually, some of the biggest wins and some of the some of the sectors that are furthest behind the curve are services sectors. So why is it, for example, that banks are still employing three and a half thousand people to produce paper documents? The the issue that services sectors have compared to good sectors is that there aren't yet those internationally agreed UN and WCO endorsed standards. But the WTO could take a lead on that. And again, I think that having just some common language as set out in the standards, would go a long way towards helping the services sector. Right. So there is work to do at national and international level to to achieve the vision. And maybe to end with something, you know, I always like to end these conversations on an optimistic note. We've heard about all the complications and why it's difficult. We all know we, you know, companies have to navigate, we all have to navigate a, a more complicated, more contested world. Wondering if we can end on an optimistic note, what would be your... You know, what makes you optimistic about the future of digital trade? All kinds of things make me enthusiastic and, and, and optimistic. So the first is that the benefits are so clear. There's the reduced cost and increased efficiency. That's that's kind of at the risk of, of sounding trite obvious. But the WTO, for example, going back to them, estimates savings of 6% of total trade costs by eliminating inefficient customs procedures. I mean, 6% is a huge number in this context. So it ought to be a no-brainer just on cost and increased efficiency grounds alone. But it's not just that. There are, there are all kinds of other reasons that it, it makes sense to digitalize. So the next one is improved resilience. So if you've got digital platforms, they'll be able to track information in real time, whether it's where a shipment is so it can be redirected if a port is closed or or in poor weather, or if it's something around uh, disruptions at an earlier stage to manage complex geopolitics or natural disasters. That, that can all be done to improve resilience if you've got proper visibility. 
that sort of brings me to the third reason we ought to be doing this, which is better risk management. And that's around preventing fraud and crime. So lending or insurance could become less risky for banks and insurance providers. E-invoicing gives increased transaction efficiency. Human error is reduced. Additional traceability all comes at the fore here, which is for better for risk management. And of course, one of our most important risks is around climate, which brings me on to my fourth reason, which is that this is much better for net zero and sustainability goals if you're not producing mounds and mounds of paper. And then, then finally, and this is a particular passion of mine, small, micro and medium-sized enterprises often face hurdles when accessing trade, which prevent them from expanding globally. We know that MSMEs, as they're called, are overwhelmingly represented by women. So the more we encourage MSMEs into international trade, the more efficient they are, the more profits they make, the more women are empowered to enter the workforce. And all of that becomes really important, I think. So, you know, for for all those reasons, we ought to be optimistic. I think the second reason for being optimistic is that there are really tangible steps that companies can take to get ready for digitalization. We've talked about the international requirements. We've talked about how domestic governments can help, but so too can businesses. So they can monitor the landscape that's evolving. They can integrate trade tech into their digital technology strategies because their IT teams will have digital technology strategies. So making sure that trade tech has got a seat at that table is really important. They can look to future-proof their new systems and processes as they put them in place so that trade tech is included. They can invest in building capacity in their tech and trade functions, which often don't talk but should do. They can engage their upstream and downstream partners. They can talk to their customers. They can talk to their suppliers. And they can engage with government so that government understands what they want. So those are are six really tangible steps that businesses can, can all be taking at low cost without having to pay expensive consultants like us. Every business can do that. And then they'll be on the front foot going forward. And we still have to work together on all the other stuff to make it easier for them to 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 be able to trade. Because I agree, you know, a, a big priority and a big priority for this country in general should be in getting more MSMEs, more SMEs involved in trade. Um, I'm picking up, you know, um, a few words there, the efficiency, the resilience, the better risk management. But I think that highlight on how, you know, obviously having less paper is better for the climate. You can't say it enough, you know, it's obvious, but it's also we are actually still cutting a lot of trees to do to do uh, trade paperwork in exactly this day and age, that. which which we, we should probably put an end to as soon as possible. And with that, Sally, thank you very much. Thanks for joining the Tech UK podcast and we we'll look forward to continuing the conversation. Total pleasure. Thank you, Sabina.